Listen in for a very, very simple ninja marketing strategy that many businesses just aren't using, and as a result, are leaving plenty of money on the table. Welcome to the Small Business Big Marketing Show, where successful small business owners share their secrets to take your marketing to the next level. Now, here's your host, Tim Reid. G'day, motivated business owner. It is Timbo Reid here, and well done to you for joining us inside the movement lovingly referred to as Small Business Big Marketing. A movement, by the way, laser-focused on helping you grow an amazing business through some very, very smart marketing, some very modern marketing. To that end, let's get stuck right in to some marketing G-O-L-D. Small Business Big Marketing with Tim Reid. So, last week, I delivered a keynote I've titled The Helpful Business at a conference of insurance underwriters, an educated audience keen to take their marketing to the next level. Now, during my keynote, I gave example after example of small businesses producing unbelievably helpful marketing, the kind of marketing that educated prospects so they could make a more informed purchase decision. I also shared the results that such marketing was producing. At the end of my keynote, I opened it up to questions as I normally do. Now, immediately a fella raised his hand and said, hey, Timbo, actually, he didn't say, hey, Timbo, but he did raise his hand. And he said, you've given plenty of examples of small businesses creating helpful marketing, but none of big businesses with big budgets doing the same. Can you give us some? Now, at that moment, a rush of pride swept over me. You see, the reality is I couldn't, not there and then anyway. I just couldn't think of any big brands that were producing marketing that was really helpful. All I could think of were big brands spending big money on big advertising and direct marketing campaigns. Now, not to say there aren't any big brands producing helpful marketing. Of course there are. I've seen carsales.com.au using Twitter brilliantly to help car sellers get the best selling price for their car. I've also seen Charmin's Toilet Tissue in the States, which is the Sorbonne equivalent over here, have an app called Sit or Squat, which is quite funny, that rates public toilets across America. Now, how helpful is that? And I've seen Bunnings Hardware, as many of Australians would have, run free workshops showing customers how to build and fix stuff. This is helpful marketing for sure. But the thing is, what I'm starting to see is a lot more small businesses, here comes that rush of pride again, realizing that the marketing world really has changed significantly in the past month, the past six months, definitely the past 12 months. And they're realizing there are tools out there they can use that enable the cost-effective creation of helpful marketing. we, We all carry an amazing camera, an audio device in our pockets called a smartphone. It's anything but a phone, by the way. It's got so much more to it. Hardly use the phone these days. You see, the internet has changed everything. And the ability to create a virtual marketing team by outsourcing certain tasks should now just be a part of what we do. All this means that the playing field has now leveled. Small business owners like you and I, boy, we can punch so far above our marketing weight against brands and businesses with much deeper pockets. I see this every week on the iTunes store where this show consistently ranks above other brands, big brands like Harvard Business School, the Australian Stock Exchange, and my dearly beloved Apple. I even rank above the Apple podcast. 
This is exciting times, team. Really exciting if you're a small business owner. We all have reason to celebrate. So go and pop a champagne cork, but not for too long. You've got marketing to create and a business to build. Alrighty, now we've got an action-packed show, as usual, for you today. There's a fireside chat with the founder of Australia's most successful coaching business. But, 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 first, let me tell you about how our good friends at Net Registry can help you crank out some great online marketing. You know, one of the biggest frustrations many small business owners have with their online marketing is their Google search results, or should I say, lack of them. So many say to me, hey, Timbo, when I Google my business, I'm not even on page three. And you keep saying to us, you are who Google says you are. It's freaking me out, they say. If that sounds like you, you could probably do with these three magic words, search engine optimization. A key part of that is having the right keywords on your website, meaning that whenever someone Googles something related to your business, your page can be right up there. Put simply, a key benefit of solid SEO is that Google will know what each page of your website is all about. And that can only improve your ranking team. Now, a great way to get this sorted is to talk to the very, very good folk at Net Registry. And as proud sponsors of this show, they have a very exclusive listener offer just for you. Take advantage of their keyword strategy service today. Instead of paying a $250 price like everyone else, you, the small business big marketing listener, get your keywords sorted for just 99 bucks. Start getting found online today. Head over to netregistry.com.au and get your online marketing sorted. That's netregistry.com.au and tell them Timbo sent you. Okay, let's get stuck into today's guest. His name is Ben Futrell, and Ben is an action coach. In fact, he owns the largest and most successful action coach franchise in Australia. He's kicking some really, really big goals. Now, that whole coaching thing, you know, can be a bit of a dirty word. And in fact, Ben uh, approached me via an email a couple of weeks ago where he says, Hey, Timber, I would be keen to talk to you about the bad taste in your mouth feeling people feel when business coaching is mentioned. So I thought that was really interesting. I didn't want to just sort of have a coaching conversation. I wanted to have more of a marketing conversation with him. So I rang him to find out a little bit more about him. And I think uh, what you're going to hear is a really, really insightful interview, not just about coaching, but about a number of other things. We have a conversation about going into business with his father-in-law and why that was a bad idea, which is kind of interesting following that discussion we had a couple of weeks ago with Glenn Walton, who went into business with his dad. Uh, We talk about how Ben has built the largest coaching franchise in Australia. He shares an absolutely gold ninja marketing tactic that we can all apply in our business immediately uh, for what I believe is great results. We talk about a whole lot of other great marketing stuff, but I started by asking Ben what his superpower was. I'm struggling to come up with just one. I've got so many. But oh, gonna... here we go. <laughs> That's a classic coach's qu- uh, uh, response. I'm, I'm going to say my superpower is the ability to um, to ask people the right questions to get them coming up with the right answers. That's, you, that's my superpower. You can't, that's my superpower, so you're going to have to have another one. <laughs> oh, okay. One of my other superpowers <laughs> is my ability to uh, be a chameleon and build rapport with anybody. Oh, really? That's interesting. Um, 
the rapport thing. I did an interview a while back now, maybe a year or so ago, with a lady out of New York who specialises in um, in building rapport. And um, do you think anyone can do that? That's a really interesting. Um, it's almost a marketing strategy. It is, I think it is a marketing strategy. I think. Look, um, if you think about when we buy from somebody, we always buy from somebody that we like. So if you can't build a relationship with somebody, then it's unlikely that you're going to have a, a, a professional relationship where you're going to make a transaction. So I think it's definitely it's a big part of marketing. Huge part. What's the trick? Because, you know, like, gee, rapport, I mean, that's about personality. Uh, rapport doesn't mean, I'm just thinking out loud here, but it doesn't have to be about being an extrovert or being funny or being the life of the party. But what does what, what is rapport to you and how do you, what, what's the number one tip for building it? Good, good question. I don't think there's one. It's a bit like my superpowers. There's more than one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I think first of all is to understand that um, people like people that are like them, and that's why I talk about being a chameleon. And that means that you've got to change um, the way you behave around different people. So, for example, if you've got someone who's like a Donald Trump, who's a very, uh, you know, if you know about personality profiling, is what we, we call a high D or uh, dominant type personality. And if you go to him with too much detail and, and wanting to ask too much question and blabber on for too long, he's going to lose interest. So by being a chameleon, understand that you need to adapt to that personality style, then you can start to talk their language. And that's what builds rapport. Sort of like a, you know, you've seen people who had pet parrots before. You know, they, you bob your head up and down and the parrot will do the same thing and mm. you can teach them to talk. And that's, you know, that's huge rapport with that, with that parrot. It's the same with humans is we've got this ability to match and mirror behaviors and then also modalities of communication so some people like to talk really fast for example and someone that talks slowly they just won't connect with does that mean you can't be yourself um i don't know that it's it's not about being yourself but if you if you're if you're building rapport on purpose it definitely means that you may have to change who you are to build rapport in the business sense i think and that's why you think about the people you may associate with in business in a sales arena could vary very differently to the people that you would mix and match, you know, match up with in your in your uh, your non work life or non professional life, and I think it's the people that can do it subconsciously. So they are themselves. That is them being themselves that are probably the most successful. Yeah, I, I get it. I, I find it really uh, uncomfortable, obviously, not to be yourself. And I think when everyone, it's it's almost like a version of lying, isn't it? Uh, in the sense that if you're not yourself, then there's a lot to remember. How was yeah, I in front yeah. of this person? What did I say? You know, if, if you're just being yourself, I've said it before on this show, you know, I say to my kids, don't lie because then you don't have to remember what you said. And so that whole rapport building, I mean, it's got to be genuine. Yeah, I think you've still got to be yourself. I think you've got to um, maybe not confuse it with not being who you are, but just learn how to adapt to be to be able to make other people more comfortable. So it's, it's like learning a skill just because you learn how to, I don't know, let's say you learn how to sail a, a sailing boat. You're still going to be yourself, but you've got to adapt your skills once you're on that sailing boat to be able to sail it perfectly. Yeah, and I okay. see, I see rapport is the same thing. You've still got to be yourself. Otherwise, yeah, as soon as you lose integrity, well, then what's the point of – rapport doesn't exist at all mm. without integrity, so you're screwed anyway. So mm. you've got to make sure you maintain that. It's interesting. I, as you're talking about it, I'm reflecting on um, the keynote speaking that I do around the place. And I'm every week finding myself in front of a, a, a different audience. You know, one week it could be uh, franchisees of, uh, you know, what would, a key cutting business. The next week it could mm. be a, a group of financial planners. Um, the next week it could be a bunch of dentists. They're vastly different people. Very um, different. Yeah. You know, but. 
you know, and, and so I, I kind of get the fact that I've got to be, I've got to build rapport with them, by, but still be myself. It's something I kind of, yeah. so, um, maybe uh, subconsciously. But that's yeah, that's probably a good way it. of putting it. I presented to a bunch of accountants last night for the the, the CPA group, and um, you know they're very different. They've, they 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 their values are set by different things to what the values of a plumber is. Mm-hmm. You know, so we've mm-hmm. just got to you got to communicate differently and to relate to them. That's probably the best way. Of cool. Putting it. Well, yeah. that's a good superpower, Ben. I love it, mate. Now listen, let's get stuck in. I want to cover a couple of things with you. You've you've got a, a an interesting and colourful uh, business background. You've started a business. You've sold it uh, in your early days as a young bloke now you've started um the world's largest action coaching franchise which i think is really interesting i want to ask the elephant in the room question which we'll come to shortly and then i want to talk about a particular marketing strategy that you've um that that you shared with me before we hit record which i love and i don't think enough businesses are embracing it so we've got a bit to cover mate Sounds like it's going to be a long call, but that's <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, cancel all meetings. And I understand you go to Fiji tomorrow, so just put that flight back. First thing in the morning. Love it, mate. <laughs> We're not let... done by then. You'll hear the the, the, the dial tone. Correct, <laughs> correct. All right, now listen, um, from what I understand, age of 18, you, um, you started a transport business and you sold it at the ripe old age of 24. Uh, why'd you start the business and why'd you sell it? Okay, so you're close on the age of there. I started my first business at 18, um, which was as an owner-driver, so in transport, and I started my first serious business at 24, which was a transport company, and right. sold, that at, sold that at 28. I got involved in transport because I – well, in fact, it's a long story, but I left school uh, early, and back when I left school, which was some time ago, I won't reveal my age, <laughs> where, was, was back in the day where, where parents would say, hey, if you're going to leave school early, then you need to go and get yourself a trade. Um, and, and so I went off and become a panel better and worked out I didn't like that. And that sort of then led me into a – once I, I did my trade and thought, what am I going to do next? And I, I spent a year doing as many jobs as there were months in the year trying to discover what it was that I wanted to do and quickly worked out what I didn't want to do. And um, one of the things that I found out was I like to be independent. So I went and bought myself a van and set up my own transport uh, company as an independent contract. And that's where it all started. Hmm. Uh, did that for several years, got sort of um, slowly invited into working internally in different organisations and, uh, and I became the operations manager for a company called Skyroad, which is a main Nicholas company. Mm. And, um, you know, a lot of your listeners probably have been in the corporate world and one of the things that happen in corporate world is they make quick decisions without any notice and one day that's what happened to me. They said, we're shutting your division down. What are you going to do? You can go back on the road as a driver or you can, or you can go. And I thought, well, I don't really want to continue driving. I've got this passion now to go and build something. And so I partnered with, uh, with which probably the best and worst thing I do, I partnered with my father-in-law. Ooh, jeez. Uh, yeah. Hey. <laughs> so it was a pretty brave move. Yeah. Why, why, did you, why did you do that? Well, he had the money and I had the knowledge. Yeah, and, right, okay. Um, he and was a, the banker. A, he was the banker. And at 24, you know, I was 10 foot tall and bulletproof mm-hmm. and thought I could do anything. And a lot of people advised me against doing it and I just didn't listen. I thought, no, nah, no, nah, I'll make this work. I'll make this work. And um, within four years, soon worked out that whilst the business was, you know, fairly successful sales-wise, and that's where I've always been strong. You, know, you talk about superpowers. I've always been a sales and marketer, mm-hmm. and so I could build the business. We just we, we we were working a lot of hours and not making a whole bunch of money out of it when I sold out of it. So you actually sold. Uh, I I made the assumption. It sounds like incorrectly that you sold uh, quickly and early because someone made a decent offer, but in actual fact. The idea of going into business with your father-in-law uh, didn't work out. Well, it didn't. It didn't. So we had, you know, we were together for four years, 
And, you know, we, we rapidly grew, but that was mainly because of my contacts within the industry. And we got to the point where uh, the amount of hours I was working was starting to hurt my family. It was, you know, we were, and we weren't, like I said, we weren't taking a lot of money out of the business. So we were turning over about four, four and a half million dollars a year, but we weren't paying ourselves very much money. And so something had to give. And my, my marriage was probably heading in the wrong direction. And, How awkward's uh, that? Because that's, that's your <laughs> wife's dad. Very awkward, extremely awkward to be able to go home and go, well, you know, I'm working hard to make this work and I'm um, supporting, you know, your father. But, Do you mind if you I know, ask who's, uh, right or wrong question, I don't know, you're good at questions, whose side was your wife on? In, in fact, on mine and, you know, and through another weird sort of roll of events over the next 10 years, you know, it still is. They don't talk anymore, unfortunately. Uh. But, yeah. Um, it's like that bloody business. I, two, I, two shows ago, I had a fellow uh, who bought a tree cutting business, arborist business, off his old, off his, his old man, and um, turned it around. And you know the, those dynamics. What's that saying? Don't do business with family, but don't do business with friends or family. But people you do do business with may become friends or something yes, to that effect. Yeah, something to that effect. And I'm a great believer in that because I think what happens when you're in a family business is it's too hard to be honest with each other, especially. When you've got to take it to the family barbecue on the Sunday, you yeah. know, like just just doesn't work. Well, it does. I mean, there's no shortage of family businesses. Um, it's it's an area that I probably need to go deeper in on this show over the coming months. Mm. But mm. it's it's a fascinating area because of those dynamics and it's that honesty of communication in business that I hear again and again from successful small business owners that come on this show mm. is just the ability to to have those honest discussions, to know what you're good at, to know what you're bad at, to say to your business partner, you're stuffed up or you're giving me the shits or whatever it is, it's, that's powerful. And if you couldn't mm. do that, then, you know, look what happens. I think, I think the other challenge for me was there was the family aspect, but also we had a huge uh, generation gap as well. Right. So, you know, my ambitions were completely different. So we, we just weren't aligned. So when mm-hmm. it come to things like growing our business and getting out there and marketing it aggressively, just, which is what I wanted to do, mm. my business partner wasn't interested. He'd done what he wanted to do in life. He'd bought his investment properties and he, you know. I Can you remember got- the first moment where you've, one of you have said to the other, this isn't working or at least made noises to that effect? Yeah, I think um, I remember it. I'm sure he does as well because <laughs> it was a shock to him. Um but, you know, I'm sorry, I'm probably revealing a little bit about my soul here, but there were times in the last year, and maybe some of the listeners can relate to this, and it and probably means they need to do something about it and they're afraid to do something about it, but I would make up appointments just to go out because I just didn't want to be there. Yeah. And um, and that was the first sign to me when I'm going, hang on a minute, there's something, if, if I'm not excited about being here, if I'm not excited about driving this business, and if I'm making up reasons to go out to get out of the, uh, get out of the office, then I need to do something about it. Yeah. yeah. So did you tap him on the shoulder and tell him that? I did. Um, 19th of December 2001. Like I said, I remember it. What time? Uh, it was first thing in the morning, about <laughs> 6.30 in the morning. Right. Had a cup of coffee. I think I made him one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, broke in the news and he said, well, how long have we got? I said, I'm going today. And I think that, um, you know, I think that shocked him even more that I wasn't even going to stick around, but I just had to get out of there. It was, uh, oh, that's, so you yeah. didn't, there was not this long lead up. There wasn't a whole no. lot of bickering and, and uh, back end fighting. It was like, hey, this isn't working. I'm gone. Yeah, and that's what I said. I said, well, I'm going. Let's just work out what the value of my share is and you can buy me out. We'll work that out as time goes on. I need to go and do something else. And that's sort of what happened. Hmm. What do you say? I, I, I won't uh, – thanks for sharing that, Ben. I think it's a really interesting story. What do you say to people who are listening to this who are 
thinking of going into business with someone else or are in business with someone else and it's just not working? Two different questions, really. Two different questions, but great questions. I, um, interestingly enough, after I uh, got out of there, I started in, in the coaching industry, which you mentioned before, and I worked alone for a few years and had, had, had some fairly good success in, in bringing on clients and building a team of coaches. But I wasn't great at the, the business and system side. So another guy who was in the same franchise approached me. And when he approached me uh, in uh, 2005, he said, oh, I'm, I'm approaching you because you're good at what I suck at and vice versa. So maybe we should work together. And I went, well, you know, I've been in partnerships before and they don't work. And he looked me, honestly, Tim, dead set in the eyes. And he said to me, Ben, what makes you such a bad partner? Ah, and- <laughs> Wow. And, uh, you know, ever since, I mean, we've, we're still partners today and we've, like I said, we've got the most successful uh, business coaching firm in Australia, not just an action coach, but in the industry. And I go, well, what is it that made that work? And the thing with partnerships is to make sure that each person is clear on what they're responsible for. Yeah. And, 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 and if they're responsible for that area, the other partner can't step on their toes. So, for example, if you are responsible for the sales and marketing in the business, the person that's not responsible, sure, they can have input and they can you know, have ideas and they can discuss concerns at, at meetings, et cetera, but got to let the person that is actually ultimately responsible for the role just to get on with it. Yeah. And I think that's about having trust with each other, you know? Yeah, well, communication. Sometimes mm. the stuff isn't that complicated, is it? No, 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 no different to a marriage, friendship, whatever it is. It, well, it's, it's, it's exactly the same as a friendship or a marriage, yeah. Mm, yeah. Just that there's dough involved. Well, there's dough involved in those things too. Yeah. Uh, interesting, mate. Love that story. Now, let's talk. Uh, let's move into present day where you do, I said the world, but you've qualified it as both saying in Australia, the, the most successful coaching business in Australia. Wrap some numbers around what you've got at the moment. So... Um, yeah, the world is correct, by the way. You're talking about the Action Coach franchisee. We are the number one for them. We've been the global number one for four years running. Right. Um, and to put some numbers around that, our, our firm, we have about 25 in our team. About half of those are business coaches, or a little o- over half. Um, the remaining people in that team are sales and marketing or administration. Mm-hmm. And we're turning over around about the 5 to $6 million a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, you find that in this industry, most people are individuals working out of their home office, which is how I started, you know, and, and I think every bigger business starts off as a small business. Mm-hmm. Uh, my goal is to take this business to $300 million a year Australia, New Zealand-wide, which is the licence that I've now got to operate in, and, uh, you know, we'll end up with 400 coaches to make that happen. But the vision for us is to have a coach, well, for me, is to have a coach for every business, not not in every business because co- not everyone's coachable and not everybody wants coaching. Mm-hmm. And we may not even call it coaching them. It might be something else. Who knows? But um, it's about having the, the, the people available and the services available for, for small to medium business owners out there to tap into because it's just not out there. What's your time frame from going to 6 million to 400? Another nine years. So mm-hmm. when I'm 50. Now, right. now, I'm giving, now I'm giving away my age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, well. Uh, now, so, that's interesting. So uh, I want to uh, understand. There's two questions there. There's one is how did you get... Uh, to that success within the Action, action Coach franchise and, and just coaching generally in Australia because it is a crowded marketplace and I think it's an overused term and it's a term, the term life coach or whatever, whatever type of coach you want to mm. talk about, mm. let's just uh, identify the elephant in the room, is that it can be a dirty word in, I certainly won't say most, but a lot of small business mm. owners, when you say that word, they cringe, and I, I think you agree with me because you approached me on that on this premise to, to appear on the show. Yeah. Yeah. W- what's your view on that? Um, I agree that that the 
the, and I think the challenge is this: if you think about, you know, and and to relate this to marketing, because I think it is this is all about the marketing, and, and marketing can have a negative or a positive effect. If you think about some of the most successful marketing stories out there, it's about under-promising and over-delivering. And I think what's happened in our industry is too many people have over-promised and under-delivered. Mm. And so what's now, as a, as a recourse of that, is that there's a lot of other people that, that are great coaches, good coaches, and and they just happen to brand themselves as a business coach. But unfortunately, that term has been a little bit tarnished by a few that have done the wrong thing, or maybe a lot, I don't know. Um, and part of that you know, is our own um, our own franchisee network has been responsible for that because it it it, it attracted a lot of people. It was a fast growing industry. It was the buzzword. It was a, it was almost a get rich quick industry. I reckon the way yeah. the industry advertised itself to attract more coaches, not more clients, more coaches. It was like it was. I reckon it was attracting people. I I, I saw people go into. It and I thought, really, you are going to coach someone else. And I'd be thinking, wow, you know, they, they were going into it with the wrong intent. They were go- their mm. intent was, I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a lifestyle business that's going to allow me to charge an hourly rate that I wouldn't get anywhere else, as opposed to the intent, I'm going to go in and help a whole lot of other people uh, because I can. I have the knowledge and, and the, the willingness uh, and the know how to do it. You know, grow in some aspect of their life or business. Mm. And I totally agree. That's that. I think that was part of the problem in the beginning, and the model that I've now developed. I've, I mean, I've turned mine into like a legal or an accounting firm. So we have employees and we have juniors right through to senior coaches here. It, so rather than being business owners or franchisees and our employees, which brings a new set of problems because people ask the question, "Okay, well, how are they going to teach me how to grow my business?" But um, the the thing for us now is we go, "Okay, well, there's all these people out there that had that get rich type quick thing." And even me, if you think about the business background I had, sure. I'd built up a big business. I had 64 trucks on the road. We were turning over millions of dollars. However, uh, it wasn't that successful a business from a profitability point of view. Really, if they'd asked the right questions you know, 12 years ago, they would have said, sorry, Ben, you don't qualify. I don't have any business degrees. I didn't have any formal qualifications. Mm. What I had was the ability to communicate and relate to people and to be able to inspire people. And I think that you know, that's one of the keys of a good business coach. But without knowledge that you can transfer, that the, the energy and motivation is, is, is no good. And in fact, um, you know, I'm quite good friends with Brad Sugars and one of the things he hates being called is a motivational speaker because he says if you just, um, you know, if you've got a room full of people that just happen to be stupid, you motivate them to do stupid things faster. So being a motivational speaker is mm. not the right thing. You know, you want to be an, an educator. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. really what we're now building this on is how do we educate people? Because small business owners don't get an education. I, I, no. I was talking to a plumber yesterday and I said to him, I said, what business training did they give you at your at your TAFE course? He said, well, they give us some business fundamentals, but it's more about how to do your books and mm. pay your bads on time. So there's compliance stuff. It's not how to market my business. It's unreal, isn't it? Oh, those yeah. courses, they just uh, they don't get it, whether it be a doctor or a plumber. Mm. You know, they're not getting that real. That's why they listen to this show, mate. Which That's, is great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is their MBA. <laughs> the um, on the reverse of that. Okay, good. So we kind of agree, and I know you know even in the small business big marketing forum, there's in fact an entire thread around that exact question of you know bloody coaches, you know, uh, mm, mm. and people arguing both for and against. And w- what I find really interesting on the on the positive side of that discussion is that. You look at any sports person; uh, they've all got a coach. You know, any any elite sports sports person, the first person they're going to thank when they win is their coach. Uh, so it's kind of weird, isn't it, that in sport 
Yep, you have someone alongside you telling you what to eat, telling you which muscle group to train, telling you, you know, what to do next, yet... Well, I don't know, I'm sure there's some research study done, but surely it'd be the majority of business owners don't have that support. Mm. And what, well, the question is, they certainly, when they win, they'll attribute it to the coach. When they lose, who do they blame? <laughs> Correct. And I think that's part of our problem in our industry is when, it, when, when someone engages a coach and they don't get the results they expected, quite often they blame the coaching rather than looking at themselves going, well, the whole reason I came to a coach in the beginning was because something wasn't right and I haven't been able to fix that. Now, your coach certainly has a, a, a an accountability to help you get through whatever that is and it's usually a mind shift of some sort to, to go from being a plumber to being an owner of a plumbing business or go from being a lawyer to being the owner of a lawyer business or I say lawyer, be a law firm. So, you know, it's it's about them making that shift sometimes. So you're right, every sports person has a coach and they have a coach because they know that to be at the top of their game and to beat their competition, they need to have a coach. Mm. In the business world, you know, who do they have? There are business advisors, there's accountants, they, you know, might be mentored by a friend and uh, it could be an uncle, it could be a, you know, a parent. So father-in-law. Of, yeah, it could be a father-in-law, <laughs> God forbid. Um, so, so there's lots of different resources out there but once again, um, it's like taking financial advice of a bloke that drives a Datsun 120Y that you run into at your mate's barbecue. You know, and, and doesn't own any property. And has Datsun one twenty Y was quite a nice little uh, first car in its time. <laughs> I hope I'm not insulting any uh, Datsun fans yet. But you know what I mean. Like, yeah. you can go to the pub and buy someone a beer and get advice for for mm. the cost of a schooner. But is it going to be the best advice? So tell me, um, uh, I'm interested to understand. You've built this big coaching business, so I want to bring this conversation back to the marketing. And you made a couple of great marketing observations. Mm. You know, the the concept of under promising and over delivering. Um, you have um, packaged it up in a way, if that's the word, so that it's more like a law firm than anything else. You, you've got a dedicated, from what I understand, a dedicated coaching facility, like a physical bricks and mortar mm. yes, place yes. that has consulting rooms and a presentation room. Uh, you know, that in itself is interesting. So you're really challenging some of these conventions of a category that is historically mm. pretty much home-based. Yeah, definitely. I think when when um, when we moved here about three years ago, two and a half years ago, I decided that I wanted it to be a facility where people could come. And I was I was almost inspired by the Qantas Club. I want business people to come here, get free mm-hmm. Wi-Fi, have a cup of coffee, and sit here and work in a quiet space if that's what they need mm-hmm. um, outside of their coaching relationship. So they can just see it as a sort of as as a business center. But then I also wanted that when they were engaging our services, that they had. Uh, the facilities to be able to support what it is they wanted to do. So, you know, we have programs that are one to many. So we needed a, we needed a room to deliver that in that was purpose-built and, and had all the functionality that was required to give them the best value. Same with the one-on-one consulting rooms. We we built those so they had somewhere to sit. And they're varying sizes from three-seat right through to six-seat rooms depending on how many people are coming in. And, that, and then three of those rooms have also got uh, video conferencing facilities as well so they can bring in other partners in other states or offices. Then we've got a series of like telephone booths, or we call them Skype rooms, but essentially they're just a small room for one person set up with Skype and a computer or a telephone so they can then use the telephone or Skype to, to work with their clients. Mm. And um, like I said, it has traditionally been a home-based business, and I think that's part of the problem is that there's these um, people that are running just a home-based business on their own that aren't congruent in what they're teaching. And mm. so you know, I said, I'm going to build a business that doesn't require me to be in it and then pass that knowledge down through a team that we train to be able to teach other business owners that mm. there is a better way, there is an easier way, 
and and we'll have a you know we'll, the facility was about providing that resource to be able to do it. Did you do that from scratch when you started this business? Well, no, you said you're actually operating from home. But how long into how long into owning uh, <laughs> the franchise, uh, a, a license? Did you go? Oh no, this needs a dedicated facility. Not not very long. In fact, it's not a very sexy term. But I within six months, I went to a place called an incubation centre. I don't know oh, if you've yeah. heard of those. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I don't mind that. I like the idea of you know it's a hot house of ideas. It is, and it was. You know, I, I think what happened for me was. I was in my home office, and remember, I'd come from a business with sixty-five or sixty-four trucks on the road. So, yep. you know, I was used to having an office and somewhere that was separate. Where when the phone rang, uh, you know, I didn't hear it at home. So, it was about oh, maybe four or five months in. I went, "This is not working for me. I can't work from home." Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I went to this incubation center down the road, and I set up an office there. Got a PA, and that's sort of where it started. And then they sort of the incubation center, then then hired me to help them fill it up because their occupancy rate was pretty low, yep. which only took me a few months, and then they were kicking me out because they're going, well, we, you don't need to be here anymore. We need your, we need your room. <laughs> <laughs> that was nice of them. And then I ended up um, at an office at Norwest and then outgrew that, and that's when that uh, my business partner approached me, and he already had 400 square metres of Gladesville. Mm-hmm. So the natural uh, transition was to go there because he still had time on his lease. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was a 70s building, an old fit-out, huge offices, wasn't open plan and just didn't suit, the, to me, the values of who we were be, as a company. And when I approached the landlord and he said that he wouldn't spend the money on renovating the building, I said, well, I'm going to have to go somewhere else. And, and that's when I came across to Northride, which was a real smart move. It's a good spot. We're surrounded by you know, Microsoft and BOC Gases and CSIRA. Yeah. We're, you know, we're in, a, in a business park with some really um, top-class, internationally known companies. And, good uh, you know, Yeah, and so we've got some good... We've got the whole top floor of the building, and it's like I said, we, we, we started it from scratch. We drew every line on a plan and said, how big does that room need to be? What does it need to, to deliver? What does a client want to feel when they're in there? How do we make sure they, they get the what I like to call the Disneyland experience? I want them to come here and, and, uh, and, and get a, an experience that they can go and tell other people about that's positive, you know? Well, the Disneyland experience is the happiest place on earth. I'm not sure that a coaching facility would be necessarily <laughs> the happiest place on earth. So what, what is I'm, – I'm always fascinated by a business that actually um, identifies the need to create an experience. So have you kind of mapped that experience from the moment they park their car to the moment they walk out? Or how do you kind of – how does that experience show itself? I think um – that's a good question. It's probably it's, it's going to be a hard one to answer, but I'll do my best. Mm. I think I feel I, I said to myself as we did this fit out. I thought, where do I feel special? And there's a couple of places where I go where I feel special. One of them is the Qantas Lounge. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one that I go to that I feel special at is the BMW dealership. I've had a BMW now for for a few years, and when I go there, I feel I don't feel like just another number. I feel like I'm a I'm a, I'm a loved customer. And then whenever I go to a club of some sort where I'm a member and I have some camaraderie or friendship there. So I think, well, okay, well, if they're the places that I enjoy going or I feel special when I go there, even though I'm paying to be there, mm-hmm. how do I replicate that? How do I come up with a way to make it so when people come into my office, they feel uh, you know, that, that it's something special, something different to a normal office? Mm. Oh, so, I love that. I love the. I, I, I absolutely get that, and that having a reference point. It's funny. It's a separate business idea, but I'm, I can't remember whether I shared this before. But that whole, the, the way the business world and the entrepreneurial world is developing is there is a whole lot of people out on the road doing business in cafes and mm-hmm. you know wherever they can. And this Qantas Club meets your home office idea 
I, I can't believe it hasn't been done. Uh, I know there are little serviced offices around the place and they're getting a little bit groovier, but the place for someone to go, whether they be a solopreneur or a small business owner with a, bit, with a few staff but find themselves on the road, to somewhere to go, sit in a lounge, have a meeting, maybe even a little gym or workout, um, being able to make conference calls, just all in that one mm. place – and feel special because a lot of those serviced offices, I don't think you feel very special. In fact, no, I think they're they a bit feel, flat. Some of them, mate, they're yeah. beige, mm, absolutely mm. beige. But yeah, I love that, and I think we can learn a lot from that. That whole the, the question is, you know, how can you to, to listeners, how can they make their customers feel more special? Because it um, seems obvious, but sometimes we're so busy on the business that we don't think about that the experience that we could be creating because that's what's going to be remembered. Definitely. And we we get a lot of con. We I think people get used to it as they come here more often. We get a lot of comments from first time visitors, and so for example, every one of our meeting rooms is a different colour. So uh, they're all named after successful entrepreneurs. So every meeting room is 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 got a name, and each one of them is named after someone. Like for example, we've got the Branson room, mm-hmm. and each of those then rooms of bright colour. The chairs are the bright colour. So when they go in there, they feel this this vibrance. Uh, when you come in the front waiting area, you know we're always playing music. It's one of our rules. We're to play, you know, the latest thing that people are going to like listening to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a, um, you know, we have fresh coffee, so you can have a nicely brewed ca- a cappuccino or latte or whatever it is that you like to have. Uh, mm-hmm. We've got filtered and chilled water, so you know, just you know, yep. cans of cans of soft drink. We've got a fridge there that you can just go to and take whatever you want out of. If there's a can of Coke in there, have it. So it's about making them when they come here, they just feel like it's it's there little, I don't know, oasis away from everything else. Right. So your plan, uh, Ben, is to then take this thing well beyond the boundaries of, of inner city Sydney be, uh, to get to $400 million turnover a year. You Are you going to replicate this bricks and mortar model in other states of Australia and New Zealand or what's the go? That is the plan and thanks for a 33% increase in my revenue there. That was good. <laughs> Oh, what did I say? Four hundred. That's all right. The numbers are confusing. Three hundred is where I'm heading. Right. Okay. Well, <laughs> my well mind you, from what I understand, and you're the coach, but uh, that leap isn't as big a leap as going from five hundred thousand to ten million or something it's like. Not. You're right. Am I right? <laughs> you're one hundred. Uh, I think you correct. might be underdoing yourself, mate. Um, <laughs> just send me a little check in the mail. <laughs> but but the answer is yes. My yeah. my goal is to is to build these centres across Australia because I believe that, you know, the SME market doesn't have a facility where they can go and learn about the business of business. Mm. And, you know, you think about, you know, and I know the government funding thing for employee training is still difficult to get for a lot of businesses, but, but the fact the government's sitting here going, well, let's let's provide funded training for employees so they can get better jobs or can, can improve their employment, but they're not providing any funding for business owners by going, hey, how about we give you some funding to go and find someone to train you? Mm-hmm. And I know why they're not, but it's because I think it would it'd be like the fat bat scheme. You know, it becomes a, a, a farcical. No one, yep. you know, no one's in control of it and ends up getting taken advantage of. But I think that someone has to go, you know what, it's time we had somewhere for business owners to go and learn how to do some of the basics, like how do you do a cash flow forecast? How do you, how do you put a budget together? How do you recruit the right person or, mm. or train them? Um, you know, how do you systemize a process in your business? How do you make sure that your customers are happy and they're getting a consistent delivery? Um, well, you're going to be a busy bloke in the coming years. Now, I want to t- no wonder you're going to Fiji tomorrow. <laughs> I need it. <laughs> you do. Let's talk marketing. And, um, well, as if we haven't been, but let's talk about a specific marketing strategy that you uh, 
I'm, I'm guessing you've used a lot to grow your Action Coach franchise to where it is today, and you're going to use a lot going forward. Uh, and I think just so many businesses owners listen to this should be employing it more often and that it does relate to every type of business. So insert drum roll, what is it? So seminars. There's so many businesses out there that I think are here. Well, the new buzzword, let's talk about the new buzzword. The new buzzword is content-rich um, marketing. Mm-hmm. And this has come about because of this online world we now have where it's so easy for people to find information that if you've got a lot of content on the web, you're going to be found. Now, content marketing to me is not new. It's something that's been around for a long time, mm-hmm. but people just haven't been doing it effectively because they didn't have the medium they thought they needed. And to me, seminars is content marketing. And Absolutely. Um, I've never, you know, I've never gone down the route of charging for my seminars. I do it for free because I want people to feel safe coming to an event where they know they're going to get value, and at the end of that, they can make up their own mind. Hey, do I want to talk to these people further or not? I don't ever do a hard sell. In fact, the last one I did in the city just last month, I run them. You're right, I run them all the time. I've got three coming up as soon as I get back from Fiji. Uh, but the last one, I was about 20 minutes in, and it was funny. <laughs> 20 minutes in, this guy sort of yells out, hey, Ben, and I go, what? And he goes, when, when are you going to sell to us? What are you going to make us buy tonight? <laughs> and I couldn't believe that yeah. I'm getting heckled by this guy. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, how do I answer this? I said, well, believe it or not, I'm actually not going to sell you a damn thing. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the opportunity to, to take some gold away from here tonight, and if you choose to, to, to capitalize on that good, if not, then so be it. But if you do think you're ready to have somebody work with you and, and help you understand more about how to grow your business, then at the end of this, talk to us. You know, at least you know who we are now. And it you know, goes back to the very beginning of our conversation is it's rapport building. So here we are building rapport by giving them you know, our knowledge for nothing just mm-hmm. to show, hey, we are generous people. We, we do have abundance. We're not here just for us. Uh, if you don't want to buy from us, that's okay. But however, if you know you need a good kick up the butt every now and then, come talk to us. And so that's really how I've used the seminars. The sceptical small business owner sees free, well, anyone sees free and mm, goes, mm. it ain't free. So, and rightly so, the bloke 20 minutes in has gone, when's the pitch? How do you, over in the marketing of your seminars, how do you overcome what I think would be one of the major blockages to people attending? Well, it's funny. I think... Um I, there's nothing that I do in particular besides uh, we have a, a a nice sort of follow-up process. And when someone books in, they get called by one of my team and, and they, they start building a relationship with them to see what they want to get out of the event and sort of give me the feedback so I deliver, you know, tailored content on the night. But I think... The, I, don't, I don't think you can ever do a lot for the sceptical people. And the sceptical people, believe it or not, still come along um, because it's still free. So they go, well, it's still a free night. I'm still going to be there. I'm still going to come along and, and get as much as I can out of the event. I'll just leave my credit card in the car, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go and get it later. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I'll, that's it. I'll run back to the car like a puppy yeah. dog and go and get it later. But um, I think... We still get about oh, 35 40% drop-off from registration to turn-up. Well, that's a problem with free, isn't it? From, mm. a, from the seminar holder's point of view, for, there's no skin in the game for the attendee. But if you know that, it's okay. Because yeah. with, and you'd know this with marketing. It comes down to acquisition costs. So you go, mm-hmm. okay, well, you know, for me to fill a seminar room up, it's about $30 for a bum on a seat. That's what mm-hmm. it costs me. What's uh, that cost made up of? So that's some things like Facebook marketing, LinkedIn marketing, Google AdWords, mm-hmm. uh, could be newspaper advertising, could be mm-hmm. um, you know direct mail, it could be postcards. So we you know, okay, you drop a bit on. I mean, thirty bucks mm-hmm. a head. That sounds like you must be getting a few in a room then. So typically, we'd get between eighty to one hundred and twenty turn up to an event. Right. 
And uh, I mean, the good news for us is that out of that, we'll always get a handful of clients come on board. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not naive enough to think I don't want them all to come on as clients. It's not what I'm expecting. What I want them all to do is once again get that Disneyland experience. So they come along, and go, "Wow, that was awesome!" And I'll come along to another one. And we do. We see the same faces sometimes mm-hmm. for. For, for six to 12 months in a row before they actually do anything with us, and that's okay as well. So, Ben, the, the, the free seminar, the strategy, free seminar, bring people together, give them absolute value in the form of quality content and ideas mm. that they can go mm. back and action and never have to see you again. Of course, your your hope is that they they do think, hey, I could work with these guys and they could help course, me grow yeah. my business. Mm. What is your call to action at the back end then? Is, is it simply... You know, do you simply kind of just, as you're walking off stage, go, oh, by the way, here's my email, here's my phone number if you want to work, or what do you say? So, (laughs) a bit bit more than that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, because at what point does it become a pitch? You Well, I'm not, I guess I'm not pitching anything on the night, so I don't want to end the buy anything on me in the night. Mm -hmm. And what I do is at the end is I go, you know what, if, and I'm I'm a big believer in, um, in graduating, and I, and I tell a story just about every seminar about, you know, when we're at school or we're in the education system, there's this accountability to graduate. And if you didn't graduate, you're a dummy. You know, so for example, if you repeated year four uh, and, and you had to repeat year four 10 years in a row, that somebody would be doing some serious psychological work with you, you know. <laughs> but as a business owner, it's okay to repeat the same year, year in, year after for 10 years without mm-hmm. making a change. Nobody seems to bat an eyelid. Mm-hmm. You know, they, and you can even go backwards and it seems to be acceptable in society. Is where I go, well, how about it? Isn't it time that we all decided that, that it's not going to be acceptable anymore? And if you're one of those people that says, you know what, I'm not going to accept repeating the same year, year after year, and I want to make a change, and I want to, I want to graduate in my business, because if you want to earn more, you have to learn more. So I say, well, if you want to graduate in your business, well, that's where we can help. Right. And, and coaching's not for everyone. I can't force anyone to do coaching, so I can't sell it to you. I can't. It's like a university course. I can't make you come and do it. Um, what I need is for you just to realize that you need to change what you're doing if you want to see a different result. Mm-hmm. So if you want to learn how to be great at marketing, take ownership. So, for example, and I'm using marketing example because, you know, that's your show's around mm-hmm. that, but it could be anything in your business. But let's talk about marketing for a second. If someone runs a marketing campaign and they don't get any results, there's two things that can happen. They can either blame the medium that they used or they can take responsibility for the fact that they suck at marketing. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that's the switch. So when you're ready to take accountability, that's when we can help you and go, okay, well, well we're not going to profess to be the marketing gurus. What, we, what we'll help you do is find out what does work. But you've got to be prepared to put the effort in to graduate because yeah. no one graduates without studying. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So uh, just to wrap things up, Ben, I, let's say uh, we do have – let's choose an obscure business – uh, who is right now listening going, that's all right for Ben and Tim. That free seminars work beautifully for their business, but I run a, insert blank, business. It's not going to work for me. What? 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 How could we turn that around into a positive? How could we turn that around? Well, first but, of all, I would say, <laughs> I always say, instead of saying that won't work for my business, I always challenge people to say, how can I make that work for my business? Yeah, okay. Love it. Um, this, Coach, and then, thanks, Coach Ben. That's all right. And, 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 okay, let's choose the business because there's a bloke up here in my local uh, village who has a pool franchise, yep. you know, sells chlorine, goes around cleaning pools. Pretty ordinary marketer. How could he use a free seminar strategy? So somebody like that, for example, could run a seminar on pool maintenance and why it's important. So the seven things you need to make sure you do to make sure bacteria is not growing in your pool filter and making your kids sick. All right. Something. So he's he's just heard you say that and he goes, but... 
if I tell people how to maintain their pool and give them the seven seven big tips, then they're going to do it themselves and don't need me. And well, yeah, that may happen. Who knows? But sometimes they go, you know what? It's too hard for me to do it, so mm-hmm. I'm going to hire you to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends what you know, if he's looking if he's a pool maintenance business or whether he's a pool installer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if he's in pool maintenance, well, then he needs to come up with some way to encourage people to come along and interact with him on a regular basis. Yep. So he could run, I mean, it's like Bunnings, for example. Bunnings run uh, workshops on how to put shelves up. Well, yep. You know, they're not in the business of training people how to put shelves up. What they're doing is they're trying to continually build a relationship and communicate with their, uh, with their target market. So they're not calling that a seminar, but that's what it is. Hmm. So this guy who's running his pool, maybe he could, uh, he could run a session on, on, on teaching people how to swim or... Ways to enjoy your pool. Yeah, yeah, ways to enjoy your pool. Five ways you never thought possible to use your pool or something like that. You could freeze it. One could be like you could freeze it and create an ice ice skating rink. (laughs) (laughs) Now we're just being silly. Yeah, yeah, now we're getting silly. You better go to Fiji, Ben. Hey, mate, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. Thanks for reaching out and uh, and wanting to come on the show. Uh, Dispel uh, some of that that, that bit of elephant in the room around coaching. Uh, Share some great insights into going into business with your father-in-law and some great marketing insights into building what will sounds like will be a, a fantastically big business in the next nine years. I look forward to uh, attending your 50th, mate. Thank you, mate. It's been my pleasure. Like I said, long-time listener, so it's great to, uh, great to be on the, on the show. I really appreciate you having me as a guest. Welcome. Thanks, Ben. Cheers. Ben, I love it when my guests reveal a ninja marketing idea like Ben just did. I hope you implement it. But before I share my top three learnings from that fireside chat with Ben, let me give you another ninja marketing tactic. Let me tell you about Swiftly.com. Now, I say quickly because that's exactly what Swiftly is all about. Small design fixes fast. Let me say that again. Small design fixes fast. You see, Swiftly is ideal for altering your business card details, logo alterations, banner ad updates, even the odd photo touch-up. And who doesn't love a good photo touch-up? You simply upload your artwork that needs fixing, tell them what needs doing, and boom, within one hour, it's done, often much quicker. All for just 19 buckaroonies, cheap and quick. We love cheap and quick on this show. Check them out, swiftly.com. That's S-W-I-F-T-L-Y dot com. Alrighty, so that fireside chat with Ben, I found quite revealing. I love sometimes when interviews take you across different angles. I didn't expect to have that father-in-law chat. Um, I wanted to address the elephant in the room around coaching. I think we did that. I've actually got, I said top three, I've got a top four uh, marketing tips from that chat with Ben. Number one, under-promise and over-deliver. I oh, know, that's, that's old school, isn't it? Like, we should all know that, but it's a great reminder. In all your messaging, in all your product and service and offer creation, in all your copy, under-promise and over-deliver. It can only surprise and delight when you do that. Number two, make clients feel special. I love how Ben referred to the Qantas Lounge, to the BMW dealership. Have a think about when you feel special, times when you feel special, or what makes you feel special, and how you can integrate that into your business and make your clients, your customers feel special. That can only build that emotional attachment between you and your customers. 
Number three marketing tip, of course, is that ninja marketing tactic of free seminars. I do love it. I do believe it's it's relevant to any business. Any business could put together some clever free seminar that gives a lot of value to your prospects, to your customers, doesn't do the hard sell. It's about selling more by selling less. And I love the free seminar idea. And my number four tip that I got from Ben was build rapport. You know, he talked earlier about that superpower that he has about building rapport. And I do like that. I do also like being yourself as I challenged Ben on that whole idea of, you know, I think it's important to be yourself. But just putting effort into building rapport with a prospect, again, can only build that strong emotional connection. Hope you enjoyed that fireside chat as much as I did. That is almost a wrap. However, we have got some listener reviews after the outro to the show. Hang around if you want to hear some listener reviews and how other motivated business owners are putting into action some of the things they're learning on this show. And we have a new part of the Small Business Big Marketing website. Head over to smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. You will find a button on the home page taking you to a net registry blog. And net registry have kindly said, get your listeners to send us any online marketing questions they have and net registry will answer them and put them on a blog post on the Small Business Big Marketing website. There's already about seven or eight answers to online marketing questions of list on uh, from listeners. And feel free to go to that page. Just go to the homepage of Small Business Big Marketing. You will see uh, a button on the right-hand side that will take you to the blog. And that's where you can post me your question. Remember, I'm inside the Small Business Big Marketing Forum every day answering your listener questions, your your marketing questions. So get in there. It's a dollar for the first seven days to test it out. Why wouldn't you? And we can have a continue the marketing discussion in there. Upcoming guests, team, I've got some great ones. Next week, how to market to women. We are going to cover that topic head on. I am also got an interview coming up in in a couple of weeks' time with the creators of that first Kiss viral video that you may have seen. And I think uh, if you haven't, go and have a look at it. I'll put it in the show notes. It's it's amazing. Um, And it's actually been created by a fashion label out of America, and it's gone absolutely nuts across the uh, across the airwaves. So that is enough. Plenty of marketing gold coming up. I appreciate you guys joining me on this small business big marketing trip so much. Have a great week. May your marketing be the best marketing. See ya. You've been listening to the Small Business Big Marketing Show with Tim Reed. Want more marketing goodness? Then visit smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. As promised, here's a couple of listener reviews I have received of recent times on the Apple iTunes Store. Thank you so much to everyone who leaves a review. I read them all and it makes me uh, do what I do. It gives me that little bit of inspiration to keep on going. This one is from Gary McMahon. His headline, rare as hen's teeth, five stars. As a solo environmental ecology consultant in business for seven years, competing against some of the largest companies in the world, This podcast is more than gold. The guests interviewed and the complete delivery is professional, fun, and more important, genuinely applicable and successful for sole practitioners like me. Yeah, thanks, Gary. That's certainly the intention, mate. Been listening now to you for a year and have worked my way through the backlog. This show is rare because it works, and I work a lot with rare plants and animals, so I would know. Thanks, Timbo. Well, thank you, Gary. That's lovely, lovely feedback. This one is from Jazz2311. 
Marketing gold, five stars. This podcast is truly generous with advice and ideas for small businesses. I've learned so much about creative marketing, found interesting products to aid my marketing, and discovered inspiring business owners who divulge their wealth of knowledge. Yeah, they sure do, don't they? Amazing sometimes what people are willing to uh, to share. I love it. This show makes you excited about marketing your business. It inspires you to become a better business person for your customers. Tim go- Timbo gives it all to us for free. I feel like I've stumbled upon this hidden treasure and I'm so grateful. That is absolutely beautiful feedback, Jazz. Thank you very much. Hey, uh, if you do, if you are up for it, hit stop now, head over to iTunes, look up Small Business Big Marketing and leave a listener review. You'll get read on the show and it really helps build my ratings and my ego. See you next week. Bye. Smallbusinessbigmarketing.com.